Hi, y'all. Happy Saturday. Early on in the pandemic, I wrote a column called It's Okay to Be Just Surviving. And for the spring of 2020, that was true. But at a certain point, we have to allow ourselves to thrive again, to go after our big life, our big dreams, and to answer the calling that there's more to our lives than where we sit right now. Anne Choquette, my guest today, wrote a book to help us do just that. You'll hear her talk about her career, but she's the former editor-in-chief of Seventeen Magazine, a frequent judge on America's Next Top Model, and if I do say so myself, a total badass babe. Take a listen to see why. How thrilled am I to have on the show today Anne Choquette, former editor-in-chief of Seventeen and a longtime inspiration to me as a journalist. Anne's book, The Big Life, Embrace the Mess, Work Your Side Hustle, Find a Monumental Relationship, and Become the Badass Babe You Were Meant to Be, in addition to having the longest title of all time, packs just as much inside the cover than it does with that power-packed title of a book. We'll talk about what this means in a moment, but I was emailing with you, Anne, and I actually hosted, I just told you this offline as well, my own Badass Babes dinners late last year. And let me tell you, it was it was inspiring. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled that The Big Life had such a big impact on you. Um, that's why I wrote it. And I love to hear that people have taken the advice in the book and put it to light, put it to work in their own life. Um, I get really Absolutely. like warm fuzzies thinking about that dinner table um, that you had with your um, own badass babes dinner. So thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, we took it straight off the page and straight to the dinner table. And we're going to talk about what that means in a moment. But listeners might remember your you from your seven years at the helm of 17. I know that you very much shaped my uh, growing up years, my formative years. They might also remember you from judging on America's Next Top Model. So if you would walk us through your career, you graduate from college all the way up to the present high level skim. So. Um, yes, I graduated from NYU and New York is such an important part of my story. Coming to New York, being here and the energy and the opportunity and the possibility. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And so coming to New York was like a really important first step in my big life. Um, I got a job at the American Lawyer magazine, which was intensely boring, but turned out to be (laughs) tremendous journalism boot camp and the editor the the owner of that company was sort of this legendary journalist and I really learned so much about how to be a reporter and how to do research and how to frame a story and the the people who worked there were just excellent excellent journalists so when I when I give advice to young women just starting out in their career look, the American lawyer was so boring. I would never have chosen it, but I learned so much. And so put yourself in an, in an, in an experience where you can learn because that's not your life forever, right? This, that, Uh that was just a stepping stone, but I got such a great education. And who wants Um, to peak in their first job anyway? That's, that's so, I think, I think everybody wants the dream job. And in fact, one of the like important chapters of the big life is don't get hung up on this idea of the dream job, right? I have a quote at the beginning 
that says, be fearless, try everything and don't plan too much. You don't know what opportunities are coming around the corner for you. Um, oh. From the American lawyer, I uh, worked at a teen magazine called React, which doesn't exist anymore, but it's where I realized that I got really excited about that moment in your life where you're becoming who you are meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, from React, I went to go launch Cosmo Girl magazine, which was another um, really, amazing experience. We were a startup. Everybody was doing a startup at that time. Um, We were young and hungry and ambitious and and breaking the rules and putting something together. It was amazing. Um, I was there for eight years. And from that experience, that gave me the opportunity to be at 17, where for uh, almost a decade, I was editor-in-chief. And it really was an unbelievable experience. I had a phenomenal team of women around me, smart, ambitious, cared so much about um, the next generation of young women. Um, I really loved being at 17 and being at such an iconic brand and to be at at the helm of a brand that everybody, um, there's really almost nobody who came up to me and said, um, I read that, I loved it, it was so important to me. So to, to every day I went to work thinking about how can I make this brand as important to this generation as it was to previous generations? Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the very fast drive because after oh, 17, when the entire magazine industry started to fall apart, I knew I still had something to say to the generation of women who had grown up with me. And so I wrote the big life for those young women into the next phase of their life. We had grown up together. And so what? how did we start to put some meat on the framework of our big life. You know, what about the relationship? What about the job? What what brings you meaning and purpose and possibility? Mm-hmm. Um, just to, I want to come back and talk about more about the big life, but I want to catch you up on what I've been doing since the book came out. Sure. Um, Don't the worry, book came we'll out. talk plenty about the big life. Don't you worry. Okay, good, good, good. So in 2017, the book came out and it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had to launch a book. I went on tour and I kind of didn't stop going on book tour for almost two years. I traveled across the country talking to young women about their power and possibility in the world and the way in which they were changing what it meant to be powerful. And at the end of those two years, I assessed, I took a moment and I said like what am I going to do with all of this energy that I've created and all of these women that I've gathered I gathered a huge tribe there's a community of about 10,000 badass babes um, that's what I call the that's what I call the the women who have read the big life is the badass babes and so 10,000 women um, were in community having read this book and I really wanted to figure out how do I connect the next generation of leaders with the companies that want to see them achieve and succeed? Not the people who are like, oh, millennials, I can't stand them. Mm-hmm. But the people who were like, yes, I want to break the rules and create new paradigms of success and power. So I launched a company called New Power Media um, at the end of 2019, which was a content and community and an events business designed to create this new power dynamic. Um, And then we had a pandemic. So we all took a little beat. But at the end of 2020, I acquired another community called The List. It's um, the 
li.st we put the we put the url in the title yeah and it's a it's a 10 year old digital community of high impact women and so suddenly we had this real pipeline right we had the the badass babes the early and mid stage career women who were redefining what it meant to be powerful and this community of women who were already doing it right this this small community of women who were the pioneers and so um it's really been an amazing experience to build this pipeline of new power and exciting to think about the possibilities. Absolutely. And by the way, I am a badass babe. I'm in the community. So I, I love it. And I know what the big life is. I've read the big life probably, I don't know, at least three or four times, but tell our listeners, what is the big life? The big life is life on your own terms. You yes. know, there's this really old idea of like the way the things you should do and the way things should go and the the structures, the business structures and the power structures that are just not meant for you. And so the big life is really an opportunity for you to build the love, the work, the flexibility, the schedule, the passion, the meaning that you want on your own terms without asking anybody else for permission. Um, it's interesting there, when I talk about, when I was on my book tour, I talked about the, the changes that this generation was leading, right? The transparency, diversity, flexibility at work. And I really think that now, two years into the pandemic, millennials are leading the changes because we have to be transparent with each other. We are in, we are literally seeing into each other's homes on all these Zoom calls. Diversity, we've had a huge racial reckoning and are still going through a racial reckoning. Mm -hmm. um, and that has really created more awareness of the voices that haven't been at the table and how do we get those voices at the table flexibility like does anybody really know if you're working at three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon um and obviously female right we have really seen the rise and the tension of women in business in entrepreneurship um, in leadership and it's all really kind of been ushered in it's been ushered in by by millennials who've been demanding these changes for so long but it was fast-tracked by the changes that we had to make because of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, you're, I love quoting authors to authors, especially when the words are just so valuable as yours are. So the book opens by writing to those whose dreams, which should be closer than ever, can feel hopelessly out of reach. I, I completely relate to that. You also write powerfully. You know you have more to offer than the world is letting you. Is that not the worst feeling to know that you have so much more to give than you're being allowed to give? I have been there. I'm still there in so many ways. Yet the next line says, but here is the truth. You are the revolution. You might not see it now, but I do. So you say in the book, it's your mission to help women recognize their power, which I love. How can our listeners come to recognize their power? That feeling of knowing that you have more to offer the world than the world wants from you right now is really heartbreaking. 
right? Yeah. That you can just imagine that every time you show up with possibility and power and enthusiasm and you're told sit still, do the work, hit the deadline. I'm not interested in your ideas. I'm only interested in like the execution. Please just do the things I've already mapped out for you or sit still and wait to get promoted or mm. Mm, it's really just not in the budget. You know, that all of these big ideas that you have been nurturing and growing for so many years and and for the power structures around you to bat them down and diminish you and dismiss you it is heartbreaking to think about all the ways in which we are draining talent and possibility and energy yeah um so but i think that what you need to recognize when you want to step into your power is those negative signals, those people around you who are saying, no, it's not quite haters, but it's just like people who don't see your possibility. Mm -hmm. They're just, they don't, they're just an opinion. They're just a person. They are following the rules that have been given to them. And one, I really learned something so interesting from a woman um, that I did a conversation with earlier this year. Her name's Christina Blacken. She's a leadership consultant brilliant. And she said, I said to her, how do I convince people to see the world my way, to see millennials as powerful? And she said, Anne, stop trying to convince people to see the world your way. Gather your tribe of people who who already see the world your way and together you will be powerful. And I really, she changed my life in that conversation. And so I always want to give her credit for that. Um, but I really think that that's true, that you need to recognize, listen, I have been banging my head against this wall, trying to get ahead in this system that is not built for me or built by me. Instead, shift gears. Who are the people that see your power and potential? Who are the people that see your possibility? Who are the people that their eyes light up when you tell them your ideas? Those are the people that you want to collaborate with and work with. And so that's the first step in, um, in building your big life. In, in and in doing it on your own terms. Oh, I love that so much. I needed to hear that, Anne. And so, you know, you started hosting what you call Badass Babes Dinners. Um, you've got 20 questions that really make attendees think about what they want out of this wild ride we call life. I, I have done three of these, so I, I know exactly what these dinners entail. You write, ultimately, with having had so many women around my small dining table, there's one bright and shining truth I've discovered. Everyone wants to know that they're not alone in their quest for the big life. So what else did you learn about life from those badass babes dinners? I can't imagine how many you've had. If I've had three, you've probably had 300 by now. Well, I don't know about 300, but I definitely had over the course of writing the book, I probably had two dozen and I had another two dozen um, over the next year in rolling it out. So, and I still continue to do them. In fact, at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all kind of staring at the walls, not wondering what to do, um, not knowing what to do, the community came together and we did some virtual dinners just to talk about like, how do we not feel small? How do we keep moving forward? How do we keep those, those feelings of ambition still burning? And those were such, so important just to feel your community around you to feel those people who see the world the way you do. Um, But you asked me this question about what did I learn at the dinners? 
And I mean, I learned everything at those dinners. What I learned is that each dinner sort of took on its own character. And I tried to bring together women who were all kind of wrestling with the same thing. Um, and it makes the dinner feel deeper and more impactful. And so we would bring together um, a group of women who were single and who were, you know, zooming up the charts in their career, but weren't finding success in relationships. Mm. Or we brought together a group of women who were at their first job and like just feeling so crushed by that, by the to-dos, right? All of the things that somebody else wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. um, we brought together a group of women who were at the top of their fields, right? Who were really zooming up the charts and what did it feel like to have such meteoric rise? And then what are the sacrifices that they had to make? Um, I, what I learned in overall was that we are all privately wrestling with the most complicated questions about ambition and success and changing the rules of relationships and changing the rules of power. And you don't always know, right? You don't always, you're not sitting there like thinking to yourself, I'm gonna change the rules of power and success, ha ha ha. But you are, every single time that you come up against a moment of friction in your life, you are, you are someone else is being forced to question their assumptions about what it means to be powerful and successful in the world. And every single time that you make a choice about who you're going to bring into your life and how you're going to lead your life, those choices are redefining what it means to be successful in the world. And so what I learned is that there's nobody who's putting their feet up on the desk and thinking to themselves, oh boy, have I won today. Everybody is feeling the friction, but that friction is what keeps us moving forward and keeps us driving for a new that's dynamic good. of power. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And you know, you're right that the big life is about learning to feel like that alluring, totally confident chick all the damn time. But of course, it's a process to get there, right? You write, and if you're worrying whether those dark nights of the soul, all the hard work and awkward situations and complicated, itchy emotions around wanting something so big and so badly will ever be worth it, I'm here to tell you that they will. I mean, your writing, Anne, is just so beautiful and hits me right where I need to, I needed to hear all of this. And, and I've read this, like I said, three or four times and every time different passages hit me, but the last time I read it, this, this passage hit me. I feel like so many of us, myself included, feel this calling for, for more, but we often feel so stuck where we are. And the big life has really helped me. And all the times I've read it feel unstuck. It's like the opposite of Elmer's glue. It gets me unstuck from wherever I am. So what would you say to that listener who knows either personally or professionally or both that there is more out there for her? You call it, you call this the itch. I love what a, a close reader you are of this book and how much you, I really appreciate it so much. Um, and one of the things I found is that there's a different chapter in here for everybody, right? Sometimes you need that early get a job, any job kind of a story. Sometimes you need the chapter that's about the pressure to be perfect because you're putting so much pressure on yourself that it's that it's destroying you from the inside out. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you need the stop with the what ifs 
the what if I never find a partner kind of a chapter. Um, that chapter about the itch is really one of my favorites. And the itch is that feeling that the situation you're in is not quite right for you. Yeah. Right. That there's like, you don't, it's not like dramatically, drastically wrong. But you know it in your soul. You know it. You're just like, oh, it's like this sweater. It's like, oh, it's a little itchy. It's not, it looks cute. It's look, everybody's wearing this cute style, but it doesn't quite suit me. And the itch is also easy to ignore at first, right? Oh, I don't know. I'm like comfortable and making money or you're in a relationship and you're like, oh, this is like the person I think I should be with it or, oh, that person is so hot, whatever it is that's keeping you in the situation. But the itch is a, is a signal that it's time to move on, that there's something that needs to change, that there's more for you out there. And I think that that, just that idea that you're looking for something more is what keeps you going forward. And it's still like, I'm sitting here as a senior person in my career um, I don't mean to say senior as if in I'm old because please like let's not, not do that. But <laughs> but the but the idea is like I've had I've had success, I've had opportunities, I own my own business now, and I still get the itch. What is next? Where are we going? What should we do? This isn't quite right. How do I get out of this? And you have to pay attention to that. You have to honor the itch and scratch it. Yeah, because I mean, what if we never got the itch? You know, we'd just be so complacent and stagnant our whole lives. And I think so many of us avoid the itch, like that we don't want it, but that it's pushing us to the next level. And, you know, what you just said about friction, pushing us forward. Yes. Like, I don't want us, I don't want to be in the same place. I'm 35. I don't want to be in the same place at 40 than I was at 35. I'm certainly not in the same place at 35 than I was at 30. And that's because I've, I've really trying to, to respond to the itch and, and move the needle forward. But there's a, an important point of clarification I want to make here. The big life looks different for everyone, right? There is no yes. one size fits all model here. The, I, this is not a prescription. This is not a, like, these are the things you should do. This is inspiration and energy and a, and a framework to help you build the life that you want, whatever it looks like. Um, there's a lot, look, we are, we are stuck in a system that has really determined what opportunities come our way, what looks great, what, what appeals to us. And I think the more you can question the things that seem automatic and ask yourself, does this work for me? Um, the better off you'll be. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like so many of us say, oh, well, I'll start living when, when I get the job, when I get married, when I have the baby, but the big life argues, the key is that you're not waiting for someday. You're living your version of the big life now, which acknowledge, while acknowledging that it will change and grow as you do. So not only is everyone's big life different, but my big life in five years might, might not be my big life of of today. And I think that's an important point of clarification too. My life now looks very different, certainly than I expected it would, but looks very different than it was five years ago, seven yeah. years ago. Um, one of the, one of the most obvious outward things is um, when I was working on the big life, I, we served uh, 
frozen pizza, fancy frozen pizza at every big life dinner. I know, and I, I didn't love that so much because that's so me. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to cook. I wasn't cooking. I just wanted to put pizza in. The, I didn't even like make pizza. We just put pizza in the oven, pizza, frozen pizza in the oven. And so now fast forward a pan, two kids and a pandemic later, like I can cook and it's, and it's insane. Like follow me on Instagram. I'm cooking like crazy, but I used to feel that being able to cook, having to clean all of those things were diminishing making my life smaller, right? Those were the things that I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be a woman who cooked and cleaned. My mother did. And I felt like I, by rejecting those things, that was that was elevating me in the world. Well, I have found that is not the case. And I have found, um, I have, it looks different. Like my big life looks different. I, I cook, I love it. Um, I still hate cleaning. I would not, I would like to never do that again, but <laughs> Um, but look, the, the point is that it's growth and it's change and that you, the world is going to change. Your life is going to change, but you should be the architect of that change rather than yeah. let change happen to you. I love that. And I have to tell you, one of my favorite chapter titles is chapter six, embrace your mess. Why piles of dirty laundry and an empty fridge. That's the stage of life I'm in. And I don't cook an empty fridge and four espresso a day habit are actually signs you're making it. Well, consider me successful. Then I think, I think so many of us avoid imperfections, but I think those imperfections are what make our stories beautiful. And I love this from the book you write in the book that we shouldn't be all destination and no journey. Actually, like I, this is me talking now. I think the journey is so much more beautiful ultimately than the destination. So what do you mean by that when you say to not be all destination and no journey? You know, we are taught to make goals, right? That you need to have a goal that you need to know where you're going. And I, and it's the same question with like, why do you need to have a purpose? Um, what I say is that you need to find meaning and that's the part along the journey, right? The, the purpose feels like the destination. The meaning is what does it feel like along the way? What brings you meaning and feels meaningful? And it's the same thing with the journey that you have to look around and see what's happening because you'll miss, you'll miss so many opportunities that could be right for you. So many feelings and, and experiences that could deepen you, um, if you're so focused on a dream that you set when you were 16 years old. Absolutely. So one of the biggest lessons I learned of many from the book is how to practice integration rather than balance. This is huge. Can you explain that to our listeners? Because this has, this has really kind of changed my life is in learning how work-life balance. I personally think is, is a fallacy, but integration is possible. And that's how, that's what I practice every day. Can you, you explain that? Well, I feel that we are living in a different world now, right? We are all work all the time and all life all the time because we are living through a pandemic and through quarantine. Um, but it's never been more true that there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's a myth. It's a myth that's designed to drive you crazy. Yes. Um, it sets up some unrealistic idea of how you should be living your life. Um, but uh, you have to accept 
your ambition. You have to make room for your life. You have to build in boundaries that say, I am not going to work on your project until one o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much. Right. And you have to also build in that says, like, I'm going to go to lunch. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to take care of myself. Or even more importantly, like, having kids a lot of people think work-life balance is about having kids but it's really not it's about like making room in your life for your life <laughs> and so yes. and so a lot and a lot of that has to do with finding an ambition and a career that feels like living to you right that allows you to do the things that yes. um that are important to you building a career of meaning Absolutely. And I was just talking to my mom about this the other day. We spend so much of our time at work. You've got to have a career that you enjoy <laughs> because, you know, I, I um, stayed with her a lot over the holidays. And when I would come home from work, there was really so little time together. By the time I got home, traffic and everything, it was six. I go to bed around 10 or 1030. And so I get four hours maybe with her um, or whoever I'm coming home to. And so you have to enjoy what you're doing because you spend so much time there. And, you know, this is, this is less of a question, more of a statement. You had and have an incredibly high powered career you met the man that would become your husband when you were 35. That's how old I am. I am newly single again after never thinking I would be single again. And sometimes I fear it's maybe too late for me, but you married him at 39. You had your babies at 40 and nearly 42. Not only does life not have a one size fits all model, but um, it doesn't have a, a one size fits all timetable either. Your life happens on your timetable. And that's less of a question and more of a thank you for, because uh, this time around when I read it, um, I mean, I'm sure the previous times that I read the book, I wasn't thinking about this, but this time around, I read it at 35 and newly single and reading that just really helped me realize that my life is happening on my timetable. I can't compare it and contrast it to someone else's. My big life is my big life, not anybody else's. So thank you for that. That just really hit me where I was at this, this read through of the book. So I'm so happy to hear that. I'm, I, um, look, it's not comfortable when you want something to happen in your life and it's not happening. Patience is the worst virtue. <laughs> it is it, the worst. It really is. I have none of it and I'm working on it, but it's it's hard. It's hard, but um but I'm glad that I'm glad the book spoke to you and reminded you. It, frankly, it's reminding you that your big life doesn't start when right? Doesn't start when you have yeah, a partner exactly. that, that you are living your big life of meaning of possibility of power now every day. Exactly. Exactly. Listeners. I hope you hear that. That is so important. And, you know, Anne, as, as, as we close the interview, my last question for you is you wrote this book five years ago. Can you believe that in 2017, what life lessons would you add to it today? if you could do a, a revised version of The Big Life. Oh boy. Are there any publishers out there listening? Because I want to do this story. I hope there um, are. <laughs> listen, I, at the beginning of my big life journey of writing the book, I had not realized 
how important the relationships that you build are to building your success. And I don't mean just romantic relationships. I mean, I mean the people who you allow in your life who are devoted to helping you achieve and succeed. And so much of that is what I learned at my dinner table with the badass babes. But in the in the years since, as I've really leaned into community in my business, leaned into my personal community, my personal squad, I I have seen the depth and the power in the people you surround yourself with, and um, and so I think that that's I think that's the next revolution. I think that that's the next piece of the puzzle are the relationships. And by the way, now that I can cook badass babes dinners at my house are going to be elevated. On fire. Yeah. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> elevated. Uh, you got a second book and you probably have at least two, three, four more books in you. So I Thank can't you. wait to read them all. But for now, the big life is obviously out now. Everyone, please read this book. It's just you every time, like, like we talked about every time I read this book, I get new nuggets that meet me where I am, wherever I am on this journey called life. So thank, it's such an honor to be here with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I would love for anybody who's listening to join the Big Life Badass Babes community. And you can yeah. do that at my website, Um, Just sign up there and um, stay tuned for the journey not the destination, but stay tuned for the journey to come. I thank you so much for being such a, a devoted reader and I wish you the best in your big life. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Anne, for coming on the show and for writing this book. We've got such a good back half of season four, y'all. Next episode, let's talk about Jackie Kennedy, shall we? as well as little Ethel Kennedy and Joan Kennedy too. Stay tuned and have a great 